0: Hi everyone, it's Melinda Garvey with the See It To Be It podcast. This week, we have another great interview with an incredible role model. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the See It To Be It podcast. I'm your host, Melinda Garvey, founder of On the Dot. And our mission is to lead women to success through the stories of relatable role models. And every week, I have the great honor of bringing you yet another incredible female role model. And this week, of course, is no different. I would love to welcome June Manley, who is the founder and board president of Female Founders Faster Forward. F4. And I love that. Female founders, faster forward. I mean, that has a ring to it. So glad to have you on the show. Thank you so very much. And uh, looking forward to our conversation. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. June, before we kind of dive into what you're doing now, I like everybody to kind of go way back. What was your big dream? What do you think you'd be doing when you grew up?
1: So I grew up in Calcutta, India, and I went to a boarding school with all goals and kind of funny, never really realized what uh, gender discrimination was until I actually got to the States. So it kind of tells you going through <laughs> my entire upbringing with uh, just uh, being very dominant, very ambitious, and uh, really kind of wanted to kind of take the world by storm.
0: Excellent. Did you have sort of a dream job that you thought you'd be in or something that you were really interested in growing up? So one of the things that I always,
1: always loved was technology. I remember sitting in front of the TV, watching the space program, watching Ronald Reagan talk about the space program. I was watching the Nobel Prize for Economics or, um, or physics. Everything that had to do with technology is what really kind of motivated me. So when I migrated to the States and bent into technology, I kind of found my home. So it seems strange that everybody wants to be something bigger than themselves. I just wanted to be in tech and I just wanted to be an innovator. I wanted to invent whether it's product, whether it's new ways of doing business, just knowing that a job is so important to people, it's their livelihood. And if I helped somebody get a job because they invented a product, invented a business process that enabled them to get a job, that was big for me. It still
0: is. That's awesome. Well, and I think it's interesting because, you know, growing up in the environment that you did where you felt powerful, where you were, you know, always encouraged, where you felt ambitious, because certainly going into tech, you know, is not always a woman's space. And you talk about, you know, sort of realizing what gender discrimination was, you know, when you finally, you know, got here and I would imagine got into tech. Because of your work now with F4 has a lot to do with diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, which are really, really important things going on, certainly in in corporate America in general, but certainly in the tech space, because tech is struggling so much. I'd love for you just to kind of talk
1: about your work in this area. Yeah, it kind of is really funny, as you asked, when I came into tech, right, it never was that. There was a lot of women in tech and I just assumed women didn't really want to be in tech versus women weren't given a chance in tech. And a lot of times when I know a lot of women talk about this, when they went to trade shows or when they went to meetings, they were one of two or one of just the single woman there and I always kind of thought that strange but uh, for some reason and this is something that if I were to change uh, something I would go back and change that is I always had my head down and just did what I had to do to kind of say okay if I had to work four times harder then I had to work four times harder to get ahead and just being in par with my male counterparts because that's the environment I was without really thinking back and looking at the data or looking at what caused that it was just me saying okay Four times harder, good. I'll work four times harder because at the end of the day, that's my experience. I'll learn from it. I'm not going dis- to, it's not going to hurt me from learning uh, working harder. And then as I kind of went through my career and starting up my own startup and went with that same gung-ho experience, right? Work hard, do uh, be better than, than the closest com- uh, competitor, whether you're building a product or you're creating a business strategy, same mindset. Bootstrap the company, I call it my alimony fund. But uh, bootstrapped the company, got the product, developed, filed six patents. Anyway, I want everybody to hear something. Filed six
0: patents. The reason why I think that's so important is you don't hear about women filing patents that often, and that is yeah. a big deal. It's not easy and it's a really big deal. So I just want to give you props for that because that's pretty amazing. And when we're talking about role models here, ladies, I know there are a lot of you out there listening that have some fabulous ideas that need to be patented. You can do this. Yes.
1: I'm on this high road thinking, okay, I've got all these milestones. It's going to be hard work. Again, it's never easy. I never take the easy road because if it is easy, I'm not on that road. And I started uh, reaching out to Venture Capital Funding, who was funding uh, startups in the enterprise software space were really looking at the big data analytics. And so I kind of did my homework. I wasn't going to every VC. I was looking at their portfolio of companies, looking at where they invested last. And so I started, again, very data analytic mindset, put the list together and said, okay, let's go down the list. Now, did they invest in my competitors? And if they're not investing in my competitors, they should invest in me. And I reached out to about 300 VCs based on that data analysis and about 80 meetings is what I achieved. And these meetings quickly from one after the other turned into not so nice meetings where I was disrupted and giving my pitch by one of the VCs who loved my shoes I was wearing and literally interrupted my pitch by saying, oh, my my wife would love your fashion sense or love your shoes. (laughs) I'm just in the middle of talking and I get slow because I looked down at my shoes. I was like, okay, great. Thank you. And I had women and men tell me once they started asking questions of who was i married to, what was my family like, life? I go, well, my husband is white. He's a computer science grad from Harvard. He could write code in his sleep. Some of them heard of him. And at the end of the meeting, they would ask me, so you have Stephen Manley at home and you're here by yourself pitching? And I go, yes, it's my company. My product, everything that I did was mine. It's not Stevens, And they would ask me the question, point blank, do you want to get funded? I go, yes, I want to get funded based on what I've accomplished and what I have to put on the table. And they told me that if I wanted to get funded, Stephen Manley would be the way of getting funded. Wow. And I know there's no crying in baseball. There's definitely no crying in tech. There were many times when I had these conversations, it would just drain me physically and emotionally. you think that, okay, I knew it was hard okay. I knew it was, it was going to be a hard journey to get here, but I kind of met them halfway. I bootstrapped the company. I met all the milestones that normally the people who are getting funded, the all male team came in with just an idea and they were walking around with $5 million. And that was the hardest part is understanding that it wasn't the product. It wasn't the market I was in. It wasn't my pitch. It was just something I couldn't change. It was my gender. It was my color. And those are the things I certainly couldn't fix. And I could have Change to bring Stephen in. I could have asked him, hey, honey, do me a favor and come in these meetings with me. But at the end of the day, what am I giving up? And I wasn't willing to give up integrity and give up myself for an $8 million Series A fund. And so I said, no, If anybody believes in me, believes in Jude Manley for what I've been able to accomplish on that bootstrap and being able to take the company for where I had got it. And if they didn't believe that I could do it without my husband or without another male or without another white male, then I didn't want their money. And so, like I said, after a while, I had to acknowledge that the alimony fund that I had worked with uh, Stephen on funding the startup was coming to an end. So I shut down the operations. And at the same day, I actually launched Female Founders Faster Forward. And the intent was innovation is wasted if you're not funding where innovation comes from. And I truly believe that if you look at the advancements we've made to the point where we might have commercial flights in space, can you imagine if we got more women funded to actually drive innovation? It's astounding the innovations we've kind of put on the shelf because it was from a woman or a black woman or a brown woman or a black man or a brown man. And we are limiting ourselves on the problems they solve. The minute we take race into consideration, the minute we take anything that discriminates against the founder versus looking objectively at the innovation and saying that's a great innovation for mankind and that's going to change the world and I'm going to fund it. So when we get to that point, I mean, that's the place we need to be. Absolutely. Well,
0: I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the research that F4 has produced and sort of what's behind it, because it really does live in this DEI space. And of course, you were deep in this space before things that are happening recently in our country with the Black Lives Matter movement. And this is, of course, business wise, but I mean, it really permeates everything. So I'd love for you just to talk a little bit about your research and, you know, what the motivation behind
1: it was. When I started tech in 2000, one of the things I just loved about it—it it was the vibe of so many different people. Yes, there was when you went to conferences that there was more men than women, and yes, and truly in tech there was more men than women. But from a cultural perspective, from a race perspective, it was very welcoming. It was truly very cosmopolitan back then. It was very much a, a whole lot of races. And as we've evolved from the tech company, I would say over the last 10 years, if you look at the demographics, unfortunately, it is 88% white and Asian. If you look at the underserved minorities, African-Americans are less than 3.5%. That's less than Mm 3.5%. In Google, that employs almost 200,000 people and is worth trillions of dollars, employs only 3.2% of Black employees. If you look at Facebook, under 3.5%. If you look at Microsoft, under 3.5%. If you look at AWS, not Amazon, the retail and the warehouse, but Amazon Web Services, under 3.5%. Now, all these tech companies, they talk a great game. If you look at LinkedIn, if you look at Twitter, if you look at social media, every one of these CEOs are talking about Black Lives Matter and they are for social justice. Unfortunately, social justice is also economic justice, right? Because if you don't have somebody giving them the freedom of an economic background, of economic wealth, they are going to be in situations where social injustice becomes an issue. And tech hasn't actually realized that. And over the last decade, they haven't looked at social justice as an economic justice and really kind of stepped out and said diversity, racial diversity or ethnic diversity say, drives innovation. And we are going to look at it as a business challenge. We're going to put in programs that says, much like an acquisition, right? You buy an acquisition for $3 billion, it's because it drives innovation. Look at your workforce just as that. And look at it with a racial lens. Look at it with an ethnic lens. Look at it with an, I would say, age discrimination lens. And put programs together that says, our demographics is going to reflect the community. Our demographics are going to reflect the broader stakeholders, and tech hasn't done that. They've offered money towards Black Lives Matter, but they haven't taken action. And, and unless they take action, unfortunately, tomorrow is going to be no different than today. It's going to still be uh, less than 3.5 percent of workforce being African-Americans versus it being 6 percent or 9 percent or hopefully maybe 12 percent in the next decade.
0: What I found really interesting, too, was when you looked at you know, the hiring managers, which obviously, you know, it's a big influence. I mean, it's all fine and good to you know, have a diverse pool of candidates, but if you don't have diversity in your hiring managers, you're failing at that level. But what I found the most interesting, there's one stat that you had that white women make up 23% of hiring managers and white males are 24%. And I've been talking a lot about this because I think that women, I've been in this women's space for so long and we are making some strides, which is great. I mean, we're a long way to go. We are making some strides and clearly even by your data, you know, women are those hiring managers are coming to the table. But now when I keynote or speak about white women as allies to not only women of color, but people of color because mm-hmm. white women are going to get there first. And yeah. we're just going to create this same problem all over again. If it's just white women who are getting into the boardroom and the C-suite, we really haven't solved the problem. And so it just is super, super profound. And we have to be very purposeful about it. I had a, a friend of mine tell me a story. She sought out to be on all these big corporate boards, you know, which of course are paid positions and they're very prestigious. And she said she realized she would get on all these boards and she would be the token, right? The token woman, and she's a white woman. And it was just so frustrating to her. And then they would just move on and she'd be on boards and they would never end up bringing anybody else on. So now what she does is she actually writes it into her contract You want me on your board? Great. Within one year, you have to bring another woman on board. And then layer on that, another woman of color or another person of
1: color. Those are the kinds of purposeful things that we have. Absolutely. To do. You're absolutely right. I think breaking the ceiling is great, but if you do it for yourself, you're doing it for yourself, right? If you look at your shadow, do you see yourself or do you see thousands others, right? And right. if you see thousands of others, then yes, you're really kind of breaking the glass ceiling in the true sense, not just for yourself and for your career, but you're breaking it for the others. And I admire her for really saying, you know, what? great you're having me on the board, but let's make sure that you're actually not doing it for the sake of doing it, but you're actually truly doing it because you believe in diversity. You believe that diversity drives um, greater business value and has value. And I think that's the way to go.
0: What are some things that women can do? They're probably going to be mostly white women, right? Because we're getting to the top of the food chain faster. What can we do to really help create the kind of diversity and inclusion that we've been striving for for so long, just in general? How can we create that for
1: everybody, every person of color? One of the things that your friend just did, right? It- You open the door, but how do you kind of smash it open and say, you know, come on in because this is for you as much as it is for me? And one of the things in my career, again, in the last 10 years, it's more so than the other is that I've had a lot of women managers, but I haven't had a lot of women leaders, right? Because they've kind of shoved the door open and they've shut it behind them. And that's not leadership. That's yeah, you've made it great for yourself. Kudos to you. You've kind of made it. That's awesome. But if you really believe in diversity, if you really believe in equality, then you have to be willing to take a stand. And that's the hard part, right? You have to stay Stand up and you have to step in, but the hard part is then stepping up. What are you doing to smash that door open? So not just you walk in, but 10 others walk in behind you. And I think if we do that in everything, whether it's in our job, if your listeners are working at Google, right, ask the question: why do we have only 3.2% African Americans? Push that conversation to the front. Why do we have social injustice in our police training? Push the issue. Talk about it. But not just stop with talking. Start doing and taking action because then only change comes. So I would say is if you believe in something and if you can't take action about it, then it's something not worth a while because if you believe in it, you have to act towards it. And when you act towards it, like bash the door open for everyone behind you because that's only the way we make change. Right. And I think that's such an important message. And,
0: you know, when I talk to women, I I talk to them about this mindset of scarcity versus abundance. And I think that women have been living in scarcity for so long because we've had to fight for every last thing. And when you live in scarcity, you do exactly what you said. You kick the door open and then you slam it behind you because you're like, man, there's one position and I got to get it and I can't have any other competition because I've got to get there. An abundant mindset is, you know, seeing that, hey, there's enough for everyone. So yeah. leaving that door open and letting thousands come in after you and not worrying about because at the end of the day, it's going to make you, the influencer always wins, right? That makes you more exactly. powerful
1: if you're bringing these people along. And as women, that's what we should do, right? If we look at heroes and we look at our mentors and we look at business leaders and thought leaders, we should look beyond them, right? Great. You've kind of stepped in and you've got this position. I want to see beyond you. Who have you allowed in? And that becomes, I would say, our mentors and our heroes because it's not about them, but it's about who they bring to the table. Now that's awesome. Well, as we sort of close up here, what's
0: one piece of advice that either you were given when you were up and coming or is your go-to
1: piece of advice? Is there something that you would give to our listeners? I think that something that I've kind of um, done and, and I just mentioned it, be stingy with who you admire Don't give it out really freely. Give it to the people who deserve it because of who is behind them. It's always easy to look at somebody in the front, but look at somebody who's behind them. Look at who they've brought to the table, and that's who deserves your admiration. And I think if we do that, then a lot of people would want to kind of play it forward. So I would say is be careful who you admire. And when you do admire, make sure that that person is playing it forward. I love that.
0: I love the whole concept behind that. I think we do often see somebody we like, oh my gosh, they've gotten to that top position and wow, aren't they so wonderful, but you know, are they really? I mean, that doesn't mean they're not smart. I mean, obviously they are, they got to this position, but what are they really doing to pay it forward? That is absolutely brilliant and so poignant and needed in the current climate that we're in. And I truly believe that women are going to be the ones who can really create the lasting change that we need to see in our world right now and what's going on with race. We've experienced it as gender. I think that sometimes just flipping that switch and going, oh my gosh, we cannot let this happen again. As women, we've been through this.
1: Now let's take charge and make sure it doesn't happen to anyone else. Absolutely. And I think we need to take ownership for that, right? If we've had it difficult, somebody else has had it twice as hard, right? There's no excuse for women not to take charge.
0: No excuses. You got it. Tell our listeners how they can find out more about F4, which is Female founders, faster forward. Female founders, faster forward. Fast forward. How they can find you and how they can get involved.
1: Absolutely. So if you do a Google search to female founders, faster forward, you'll come across F4Capital.org. We're a nonprofit 5013C. And one of the research that uh, you talked about is part of the initiative that we call Equality for All. We are looking at how equality in the tech industry is creating the massive wealth gap and economic gap. And that's the research is based on that. So If you Google us, you'll find us. And how you could help, like I just said, is if you work in any of these tech companies, ask the question, why don't we have enough diversity and take it from there? Start the conversation at least,
0: please. Awesome. Well, Jean, thank you so much. I really appreciate all that you're doing and I appreciate you taking something negative that happened to you and spun it into paying it forward even more. I I think that just shows your true character and those VCs were fools not to invest in you. I know, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It was terrific spending time with you. Thank you so much for sharing so openly and we certainly will be watching to see what you do next. Awesome, thank you. Thanks for listening to the See It To Be It podcast. For more female empowerment, inspiration and advice, Subscribe to our free weekly newsletter featuring a new woman to watch each week. And check out over a thousand more featured women at onthedotwoman.com. Know someone we need to feature? Reach out at onthedotwoman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.